to Say It Southern. Aspiring to live not just as moms, but as modern Southern women, we began this project to hear from those who inspire us and recognize those who are achieving their own personal goals. Listen in as we celebrate the South and those who say it Southern. This week, we are speaking with Natasha McQuarrie of 1818 Farms, located in Mooresville, Alabama. Population, 58. And 10 of the 58 happen to be the McQuarrie family. In this episode, we learn all about 1818 Farms, their famous baby doll South Down sheep, the events that they host at the farm, their flower business, their bath beauty, and their home products. We learn about what it takes to run a business like 1818 Farms. And as a bonus, we hear from the expert exactly what we need to be planning in our gardens right now for fall and for next spring. Join us now as we say it Southern with Natasha McQuarrie of 1818 Farms. Today, we are so excited to have you on, Natasha, from 1818 Farms. You do a lot of stuff. At your farm. I mean, you farm, you have a flower truck, it's an event venue, you have baby doll sheep. sheep. Can we talk about the sheep just first? <laughs> I mean, yes. Let's talk about the sheep first. Yeah, where did the sheep come from? They are so cute. Like, why sheep? Okay, well, the sheep are really, um, the, the reason we started the farm was we were on a family vacation in 2000, no, 2011. And my middle son at the time was eight. He's about to be 17, which I can't believe. And he saw one of these sheep and he fell in love with the sheep. And all he could talk about was owning a sheep, renting it for pictures, selling the manure, renting it, um, uh, selling the wool. He's always been an entrepreneur. Like he was the child who would sell his toys to his siblings. You (laughs) You know, he would have a lemonade stand and the other siblings would want to give things away. And he's like, absolutely not. Nothing is for free. I mean, he's that kind of child who's, he's probably going to be a, you know, an entrepreneur. So we started, he fell in love with the sheep and we started researching the breed and it was, this breed was almost extinct in the 1990s. There were only 300 left in the United States. Whoa. Oh my goodness. So it's a very rare breed. What happened is these sheep were brought over from England. They have very fine wool. It's equivalent to cashmere. And it's also a good meat sheep. And Americans in World War One decided, hey, this is so great. Let's try and crossbreed it and make a bigger baby doll sheep. And when they crossbred it, they lost a lot of the, the traits that they liked about the smaller breed. And so for some reason, this breed was just almost lost. So... What happened was uh, in 1990s, this gentleman kind of stumbled upon this miniature breed and he said, I've never heard of this. I've never seen anything. Could you, um, you know, what, how could we preserve this historic breed? So he started the registry and they're called, and you'll probably see some pictures, they're called like the smiling teddy bears. So when they're fully wooled, I mean, right now they're cute but come about two or three months when they're fully wooled. I mean, it's just like I have little teddy bears running around the field out here. And so they're (laughs) adorable. And it always looks, they have a little smile and they have a cute little heart nose, but this sheep we just fell in love with. So it was a challenge in the beginning. And it's still a challenge today is to actually find this breed. Like it's very rare. Like we have people from all over the United States, even Canada who contact us to get on our breeding list each year. But um, a huge part when we started the farm was to teach our children about sustainability, uh, being good stewards of the land. And we thought, what better way than to preserve this breed for future generations? 
-hmm. So, you know, there aren't a lot of them. There's probably in the registry now, there might be maybe 12,000 maybe. Um, But, you know, over time you say 12,000, some of those could have passed through the pedigree. Mm -hmm. But that's a, you know, I think it's interesting for someone my size, for a female, if you're looking to practice animal husbandry, this is a great size to start with because they could be from like 70 pounds to 120. Maybe the rams might be 150 but they have no horns. They're naturally pulled. And it's just something that's easy for you to take care of as a smaller person who doesn't want like a ginormous sheep with horns. So how many do you have at the farm? We have right now 18. And so with the lambs uh, and lambing, it varies. Like you never know. They could birth one, they could birth two, they could birth three. So we never know. It's kind of a crapshoot when you're doing your waiting list of what will you have, what color will they be. Even though you breed... If you breed color specific, if there's, let's say you breed black to black, if there's a white five generations back, there's still the chance you have a white lamb. So it's it's interesting. You know, I had someone last night message me. They want to be on the waiting list. They want a certain color. And I said, I can't really promise you the color because I don't know what it's going to be until it comes out. You know, I mean, even trying color specific, it's that long-term pedigree. But there is, we do have a long waiting list. And I tell people it's like you're, going through an adoption process. Like I have an interview process. We have a questionnaire. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like I get to know every person who has our babies because I am in the barn when they're born. I pull a lot of them. I mean, I've raised them until they're eight. Well, really, I guess 12 weeks old. So I'm very particular in the homes where they go. Mm -hmm. So are people getting them as pets? I mean, what size are they? They're like a cat, like a small dog? Well, when they're born, they're probably five pounds, maybe five to six pounds. And then by the time they leave the farm, they're probably 25 to 30. Some Mm -hmm. are smaller, some are bigger, just like, you know, people. Mm -hmm. Um, But most of them are pets, like hobby farms, uh, people who love to spin wool. Like if there's a lot of like hand spinners because the wool's so fine. And mostly hobby farms, I would say, who are going to purchase these to have at their home. And it's just, they're just, I mean, it's, I tell people years ago, I said, it's like potato chips. You can't just have one. Once you get one, you just keep adding on more. You just can't put them down. So um, it's always a bittersweet day when the lambs leave. But I mean, I can't keep all of them. Everyone's, you know, how can you do that? But I know they're going to great homes. Like, and I never just they don't leave the farm and I never talk to these people. Like they are on, I'm on their speed dial. Cause there are a lot of things that like most vets, my vet's been really good. He, the time he, it takes him to get to our farm a good 40 minutes when I need help birthing. It's too late if I wait for him to get here. Mm-hmm. So he's been great to train me on how things to do to how to, you know, administer vaccinations. I mean, all this I've learned. So I really want to pass that on to anyone who purchases a sheep. I tell them, a lamb, you need to call. I'm on the speed dial. Yeah. And it's not uh, for people like me. Put them in their backyard (laughs) because they are so cute. (laughs) All of your landscape would be eaten probably. (laughs) Okay. But there's so much, you know, not as much as a goat would, but the sheep are just innocent. They're precious. I mean, there's not a mischievous bone in their bodies. Mm -hmm. Um, So... If you're looking, especially to start a hobby farm like this breed, I would 100% recommend this. Like, I wouldn't own another breed just mm-hmm. because they're just so much personality. Well, we had to we had to get that part over with yeah. because I was just they like, so we cool. have got to talk about that first thing. Let's back all the way up, though. Let's start at the beginning. How do you even have room for sheep? Was there a farm in the property? Did you plan on being a farmer your whole life? How did this whole journey with 1818 start? Yeah, well, 
I did not plan on being a farmer. I will tell you that I had like, I'd owned one dog my whole life. I mean, one, <laughs> like number one dog. And really, I've always loved animals. It's just, it never fit into my, you know, my life as, you know, as a child, we just had a dog. I mean, that was really all we had. And then once I finished college and went out to work, I mean, it, you know, you're busy all the time. So really, I didn't plan on doing that, but we had a property, like the town we live in is Mooresville, Alabama, and that's kind of another whole can of worms you could open. It's a very historic town. There's 58 people who live here, like 5'8". I tell people any time I like 58, 10 of those are our family. So, <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh yeah. So, so 48 people it, that you aren't related to. Yes. And yes, exactly. So it's a very small village. It's kind of called Alabama's Williamsburg. Like most of the homes are early 1800s. Um, there's the oldest continually operating post office in the Southeast here. There's a little, a couple little brick churches. Um, you know, there's a coffee shop. It's very quaint. So our family has been here. My husband's family. Our children are the sixth generation to live in our home here. Oh, so wow. we, uh, that's amazing. There's some. It was an adjacent, like our house is just a block away from where the land is. So um, it it was an adjacent. It was like a horse pasture, a large horse pasture. So we took that, and when we started th- talking about starting an agritourism destination this land was available. It was in our family. And then we had to do a lot of work, like a lot of work on it. It had been, it probably hadn't been used since the early 1990s. And it, it is adjacent to the Wheeler Wildlife Refuge. So, you know, my whole thing is you either can take care of nature or nature takes care of you. So the, <laughs> the refuge had encroached probably a half acre onto that land. So we had to have a lot of clearing. We had to add fencing. We had to add, uh, for rotational grazing, we had to add a barn, a garden house for events. I mean, it was a major investment in the beginning, but what we really wanted to do at that point, all of our children were going to be back into school is we wanted to teach our children how you can have an idea or a concept and grow that into a successful business. It, did it take turns on where I thought I would be? Yes, because when we started this, I was just going to do agritourism and grow produce and cut flowers. I mean, the bath line came into to the picture after the first winter. You know, the winter came, and there are no more farmer's markets. And my husband is a businessman. You're not going to have a business if you can't sustain it. So I took the dried herbs and started making soaps and you know, bath soaks and we did some creams and that just to get me through that first winter to feed the animals basically. Mm-hmm. And then people love the products and, you know, someone gifted a store owner and they said, you know, I really like these. I, I'd like to have them in my store. And that's just kind of how that grew from there. So I didn't go into this saying, I want to be a beauty company. I went into this saying, I just want to have a farm and, you know, have people out and teach them about, you know, the land and sustainability and animals and have a great time. So is this is this y'all's number one? This is your life now, right? This yes, you and your yes. husband both work for eighteen eighteen. Yes, this is our seven day a week, three hundred and sixty five day yeah. gig. Is what now, I any of your children? Do you see them coming back and like this being their thing? Are you try not to talk about it, or how do we you? We try not to talk about it. My older one uh, is a hard no. It's a hard <laughs> no. He's uh, well, I shouldn't say this. My boys have been our flower delivery guys all summer. Okay. So I shouldn't say that because they are work, they have been working for us doing the deliveries. But, you know, 
birthing a lamb is not in their wheelhouse. So <laughs> no vet school. No vet school for them. Huh? <laughs> yeah, no. No, my youngest would be the, my daughter would be the closest with the animals. And I think a lot of that could change because I grew up around, we grew most of our food. My dad was a botanist and, you know, you just grew your food. I mean, you didn't, you put everything up. That's, I mean, you, I have memories of shelling beans and breaking beans and all the, you know, the hot kitchen and I didn't appreciate that at the time. Like right, now I'm sure. I should have, I mean, who does as a child? So I say that now, but it could be something that clicks in their mind one day and that they say, hey, this is a lifestyle I want to have. Because this really is a lifestyle. I think for them, what they see that they don't like is how I told you it's a 365-day job. Mm-hmm. They see we are never on vacation. Right. Yeah. Like if we're on vacation, we're really not on vacation because something will happen. You yeah. Know? It, it always happens, you know, you know, an animal hurts his foot or, you know, there's something that happens. So I think that for them has seen, I think that the thing for them is they want a vacation. Like they want a job where they can walk away and go on vacation and come back seven days later mm-hmm. and it still be there. And mm-hmm. I think that's kind of the good and bad. It may teach them they never want to own their own business, but that's, yeah. I think, a learning uh, experience from a senior parents do this. Mm-hmm. I bet they come back. I want to know what the 17-year-old's going to do, the one that got the sheep. <laughs> He's going to come. No telling. Uh, he is funny uh, because he's, like I said, my oldest just went back to college. So now all the flower deliveries are on him. Mm-hmm. And he's just funny. You know, he's enjoyed. And it's taught them a lot. You wouldn't think being a delivery person would teach you a lot. But even contactless, you have to learn about getting there. You have to learn about making sure the flowers haven't flipped over in your car. Mm-hmm. You have to learn how to communicate via text now, which all kids are good at that. But, you know, there's a lot more you would learn about delivering flowers than you would think. Now, when so you deli- I'm going to be really sad. When you deliver these flowers, you're delivering them to wholesale florists? Is that? No, we're you? doing home deliveries. So home contactless deliveries. porch deliveries. Before COVID, we supplied a lot of wholesalers. And that sort of changed in COVID. I mean, we knew per month, per week, how much our revenue would be to wholesalers. Like, we just knew that. It's just like, you know, what your bills are. I mean, you just knew. And that changed. I think it's been a huge struggle on wholesalers. I could turn the business and go straight to home delivery. Mm -hmm. What's a wholesaler going to do? Right. Because they have to have people purchasing for events coming in. And, you know, people just aren't having events. There's no events. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I feel, I, I feel for them, you know, I try my best to go in and buy like tape and any kind of supply I can get that I can't, you know, I could order, you know, online, but I try and go in because I know how much they're struggling because there's just, I've gotten to know them and I feel so badly because there's, I don't know how they pivot their business to, I don't know what they would do. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So now home delivery, we also offer, it's called, uh, instead, a lot of people, think of it as a CSA, but we do what's called bouquet subscriptions Yes, and people gift those. And so that also helps in your planning because you know, you have X bouquets that go out the door every month or every two weeks or however they set up their subscription. And then, um, you know, we can't run the flower truck now because of COVID. And that is mainly because it's too close when you're building a bouquet. And if we ever, we have employees who cross back and forth. And if that employee ever went to our back to our manufacturing facility, it would be devastating if we had to close that facility down for 10 to 14 days. I mean, it, it would be very difficult for us. 
So how many employees do you have now that operate everything? Well, at the farm, believe it or not, people do not believe this, but this season there's two of us. It's myself and one other person. Oh my goodness. And my husband, he does the animals, but in the flowers, there are two of us, but we can rock and roll in that field. Yeah. Um, but at our corporate office, we have probably nine or 10 employees, Okay. but some, not a lot of full time. We have a lot of moms who they want to work, but they, you know, want to be done at three o'clock. We have mm-hmm. some people who may only work Tuesday for four hours. They've been with us for years, but there's one thing they're great at. So, um, it sort of comes in. We, you know, we've lost a few of our college, we had some college and we did some, a co-op program through the high school mm-hmm. and we've lost a couple of people. We kind of like to do that for especially for the high school to teach them about, you know, business life. And they kind of see a different aspect in a, in a bath company like that. Mm-hmm. So we've lost two of those. So we're sad to leave. To so leave is your that. largest revenue from the bath product? Are you shipping bath product all over the country or are you? Yes. We're in about 500 stores. Wow. So we're in 500 stores, I think like 45 states, maybe. I'd have to look back at that. But then we also sell direct to consumer. So the interesting thing with COVID is, you know, a huge piece of our bath line was wholesale. And when March, whatever, 15th hit, it went to zero. Mm-hmm. I mean, it went from you're going, you're shipping every day. It went to, it stopped. And you're like, oh my, that we're going to be okay. But luckily for us, we've had an online presence for years because, you know, we can't have our product in every store and every city in the country. So a lot of our customers buy already purchased directly from us so luckily we had a you know a a nice website we've used for years we have um one thing i think a lot of companies need to always focus on is a great email list um so you could contact your you know we ran a lot of sales during covid because we knew a lot of people were at home they were losing their income so having that email list having a functioning website saved us during all this um and we were able to maintain the business and still continue to grow even though we didn't have the wholesale side. That's so crazy. So do you just line the walls with KitchenAid mixers and you just figured out how to do this? Or we how did. Did it work? Yeah, we did. I experimented, you know, usually every product that we have came out of a need, a personal need. I don't like to wear garden gloves. My hands are terrible. So we, I tried to come up with something for my cuticles and nails. Mm-hmm. Okay. My skin is always dry because I'm out in the field. Our number one seller is our shea cream, which is like shea butter and coconut oil. Mm-hmm. And, I have to have some of this, Sarah. Oh, and yeah. that is what we, you know, that's our, that's kind of our bread and butter. It's the workhorse of our line. It's very simple. And I wanted simple ingredients that really worked. And so I can't tell you how many versions of that shea cream that I did until I got it right. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, I'm, I'm thinking now of how many versions until it was just right. And, you know, the bath soaps are usually because my back hurts because we're working in a flower field. And flower farming, I told someone the other day, it is not like it looks on Instagram. It is hard work. (laughs) I mean, we are, usually you see the back of me in the field because you do not want to see the front because we are sweating and we're hot and, you know. um, But everything, every product has developed out of a personal need. And it's worked because then I know exactly what I'm looking for. And we're slow, you know, we, we haven't released a new product probably in the bath line. It's been over a year. We, we released a new uh, shaking scent called Southern tea and it was a really big hit, mm. but we're not just the company who's going to throw out a million products because we want products out. We want products. We have been, we've tested where you love that it's correct. So 
Well, if you need any testers, Sarah and I are... Oh, don't worry. We'll use you because we send things all over, and especially when we're naming a scent, and we get it down to a couple of versions. Ah, uh, that's and then cute. A lot of times we know what we want it to be called, but we're just sending it to see what the sensory smell is to people, you know, and what they think. Like we'll send little thing, and you have little questionnaires, and a lot of our accounts we send to them because we want their feedback, our top accounts, because they've been selling it for years, and we'll ship it out and say, okay, this is coming super secret you can't tell anybody but <laughs> let's give us these questionnaires back we're always looking for testers like we're in the middle of testing something right now that'll be coming out um i tested last week it was really good but anyway so oh. i you know we're slow we don't just try to th- a lot of companies i think try and feel like every fall and every spring yeah, spring line fall yeah, line mm-hmm. we're more into we want the, our products to become a part of your daily skincare routine and you're going to, you're going to purchase them no matter what. It's just like your toothpaste. You run out, you go get the next, the next, Mm -hmm. uh, two. So we're not as much in coming out with so many products as coming out with the right products. You know, I say quality ingredients at an affordable price that work. That's Mm -hmm. kind of my mind. Well, your skin looks great. Yeah. yeah. And you can do home things as well too, right? Fragrance spray. Um, yes, we have like a cute, and, and that products, like if you go back through our website, my mother-in-law does all the cute little pencil sketches and it's one of the farm animals is the cover guy or the cover girl. So sugar is wearing her night, night hat and she's, it's, she's on her counting sheep, lavender linen and rim spray. And it has a little story uh, on the side. We have a sweet peas on the shea cream, clovers on the lip smack. And I think that's one of the reasons I tell people if we didn't have, okay, we, I feel like we have great products. But without the farm tying it all together, it's just another bath company. Like right. People mm-hmm. enjoy that they can go and see Clover take a mud bath on the, you know, the pig, on the lip chapstick. Oh, yeah. Or they <laughs> love so that they can see Sugar with her baby, baby girl. I mean, they love that they can see these real animals, and it makes a con- product connection. Um, bath, the bath industry is very competitive, and I think you have to have a way to differentiate yourself. And that's sort of how we connected the farm into the products. Mm-hmm. Right. Because in the beginning, you wanted to be a flower farm, right? I mean, that was, and you are, but we got to yes. go, talk about florals. Yeah. In the beginning, we were going to primarily sell, it was, okay, we've, we've changed a lot. In the beginning, it was 25% flour, 75% produce. And produce, sold, okay. Yeah. We sold produce at farmer's market, four farmer's markets a week. And I will tell you, that is the hardest work you will I ever do in your imagine. Life. I mean, so hard. But you, everyone starts somewhere. I mean, you start, you cannot, you have to build your reputation. Your reputation doesn't come overnight. I mean, you have one chance to make a first impression. You make a first impression. That impression grows. But everyone starts somewhere. I mean, you just don't start doing home delivery at someone's house. You have to get reputation for good flowers. Absolutely. I mean, that's just how it is. And building your brand. But what happened is, okay, in 2012, we did farmer's markets, and we did probably at one point by 15, we were 50% flowers, 50% produce. And at that point, we were selling primarily to restaurants. And in 17, uh, 2017, I hosted our first inaugural bloom stroll and bouquet workshop. We're coming to that, by the way. (laughs) It's so fun. And I saw, okay. I had always seen this at the farmer's markets. Okay, you would, no no one comes up to you and says, oh my gosh, these green beans are so beautiful. My nanny grew these or, you know, my aunt grew these. But people would come up and see the lavender. Oh, you won't believe the time I went to to um, France, France and I saw yes. this beautiful lavender. 
this flower, my grandmother always grew zinnias. I mean, it is, and I've said this time and time again, flowers evoke emotions. Mm -hmm. They bring you back to another time. They are a, and they are a luxury item. And so I think I saw that quickly. No one has ever haggled with me over the price of a flower. They will haggle over Cherokee purple tomato. Or, I mean, it's the craziest thing I've ever seen. I, I, I don't understand it. That told me it is considered a luxury item. Mm -hmm. So in 17, I hosted the first, just kind of on a fluke. I said, you know, I love doing arrangements. Let's have some people, let's just post this bloom show and see what happens. And when I saw the happiness on those 12 women's faces, I knew that's what made me totally turn our business then. And I said, I want to start an initiative. For years, we hosted farm to table dinners. And I said, okay, I want to do the seed to vase. I want to teach people how to enjoy the beauty of fresh flowers in their homes and be comfortable with learning how to save seeds, plant seeds, and garden. And, you know, I want to take it kind of more full circle. I, I never want to just do a home bouquet and, and walk away. Like, I like to take it a step further. If someone's interested in seed saving, they can contact me. Or even at our bloom shoals, I'm big to stop in the middle of what we're doing and say, this is how you're going to harvest the seed. Um, I think that people are hungry for that kind of knowledge. It is a dying art, the farming, mm -hmm. the gardening. I think we saw a lot during COVID, people having a garden who've never had one or, or you know, or having one they hadn't had one in 20, you know, 15 or 20 years. But it is uh, an art that I feel like people are interested in. It's just not knowing how to do it. I mean, I, 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 mean, I take things for granted because I've done it a thousand times. I mean, I've planted, if we have our full flower field planted, it's over 11,000 flowers. I mean, I mean, you know, I mean, I, I could do this in my sleep, but it's being able to take time out of your schedule and share that knowledge with those in your community. And the community can be with Instagram, you know, social media, the community is a lot larger than it has ever been um, for people to contact you with questions. And it's taking time out of your schedule to share that knowledge. And I think not everyone wants to do that. Well, do you sell your seeds or do you sell the bulbs or do you, are you straight cut garden? What do you? Well, we started in last season saving heirloom seeds, specific varieties and selling. And there's a little more to it in that you have to get certification through your state. It is one of the things going back to how I say it's kind of things are gardening is a dying art to find out how to get your seed certification through the state of Alabama was like no one had a clue. Uh -huh. No, it, it's, it, there isn't a class that, I mean, you cannot find a class that says, okay, here is how you have to go through seed grading, you know, clean the seed. I mean, it's just not out there. Even our extension agents, like, I'm sorry, I don't have a lot to offer. Let's call the state of Montgomery. I mean, let's call Montgomery. And they're still like, you know, here's, I mean, they're helpful, but people just don't do that anymore. I mean, if you look at your seed packets, a lot of them, when I get, I purchase a lot, I'm a commer considered commercial, a lot of them are stamped like Holland, Yes. China. I mean, they're stamped from somewhere else. And I think it's one of those things because it does take a lot of attention to detail. You've got to make sure cross-pollination isn't happening. I mean, there's a lot that has to occur. But we've kind of, that's a new part of our seed base initiative. I'd always wanted to do is start the seed business. But like we started small with the purple hyacinth. And then we have about three or four varieties we, we're saving now. We've just got to package them. So I think, and I only am going to offer what I feel is, High performers, uh, you know, high performers, something that might be a little bit unusual for you to find. 
But I like to take it a step further. Like, let's say bachelor buttons. We had a bumper mm-hmm. crop of bachelor buttons this year. Um, you know, most people, there's a lot of flowers. This gets back into the education. They'll say, oh, I planted these bachelor buttons. They did terrible. Well, they plant them in the spring. You have to plant them in October. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of flowers that you have to plant at the correct time. So if you're in our zone, now, if you're in, if you're in Canada or Montana, that may be a different, you know, you're in a different zone. But for us, taking that education a step further is, when do I plant these cool weather flowers? And so that's why we'll launch bachelor buttons. Like we won't really launch some of the other ones because they really need, I know they have to be planted even in this zone in the spring, but let's bring out one. We can really start educating people about cool weather planting and how to have beautiful early season crops by planting at the correct time. Sarah was wow. saying that she went down the rabbit hole with your um, zinnia videos because I, I had, a, <laughs> yeah, I had I a little, I have two little pots that I've done zinnias and out back. Of course, I say zinnias. I'm just going to say it. And uh, it, I watched your video where you said, in the South, we say zinnias. And I was like, mm-hmm, yes, we, we sure do. do. <laughs> it is. But in the grower world, there's zinnias. Oh, but no. zinnias, I mean, if I said zinnias to my mom and my they're like, what are you saying? Uh-huh. But, you know, I have to have my two different hats of, of pronunciation. Right. But it is so educate. I mean, it's fascinating. Yeah, it really was. It's fascinating. And the size of your zinnias are unbelievable. And then the lisianthus is amazing. I mean, all of them are okay. just... Well, I want to ask this. Okay. Because I am not a gardener. I'd like to be, but I don't know what to plant. And when I do plant something, it always dies. Okay. Always. I don't know. Um, so, gardening for dummies 101. Yeah, let, Where let's do, we do that. Where, if we wanted some some things to cut in the spring and bring inside, because I think that's what, I mean... Well, with Paul here, too, also, I want something other than a mom. Yeah, and you live in a subdivision. Up. I mean, yeah. but yeah. So, what do we need to be... What do we need right. to be... Well, for like easy go-to, like when summer is the zinnias, I know like we plant, you need to also, and we can get into this, there's always, when we're planting our fields, we are planting off of, we're, all my mind is thinking about when I sell a bouquet, I have to have five elements that are in this bouquet. Like our field is planted off these elements because if you have all, all uh, focals and you don't have any filler, Mm-hmm. You can't sell, I can't do a home delivery decay. So I'm always thinking about what I can add in. Like for, you need zinnias for sure. I'm a huge uh, believer in at our climate. We're so lucky. The Solotion, it's called C-E-L-O-S-I-A. A lot of people in the South would call it coxcomb. I know like exactly. Yes. However, like Solotia is kind of like you have dogs, but you have golden retrievers, you have poodles, you have Dotsons, you know, you have many varieties. So we may have Celosia, but we may grow 10 varieties within that. So it kind of, like, I love the uh, flamingo feather. It's the kind of white, looks like bunny tails. Mm-hmm. The flamingo mm-hmm. feather is a great one. The uh, cheap Celosia, like, those are great. And they're cut and coming in. You, like I said, you have to have the zinnias. But I like, um, the hard thing for anyone like a home gardener, the lisianthus, you get two cuts. I mean, yeah. you get the first flush and the second clutch. So I wouldn't really recommend that. But for a grower like us, that's great because we, we can grow like 2,000 in the field. But when you think zinnias, don't just think the binary giants are the big ones. Do the Oklahomas. Do some different, you know, different sizes. But I always say go the Celosia. Go, uh, we do a lot of cinnamon basil for a filler or pineapple sage because that's very simple for you to find at a store. Like just with a store with, you know, a common gardening store. 
and then um, gomfrena. I I can't tell you how many stems of gomfrena, and you can easily grow that at your home too. It looks like a little, it looks like almost like a little lollipop. I have a lot of pictures of those on our Instagram and Facebook. It you know it's just like a little ball, and it grows. You know, probably to above my knees, we have everything netted, but then it dries perfectly. Like we are really going, we're turning, we're doing a lot of dry. We haven't, we'll be announcing it. We're photographing tomorrow. Um, we've been cutting every day. We cut several hundred stems to go in the drying room because we're doing beautiful um, mixed bouquets that are dried, singles that you can use in your home because that'll get you through the winter when there's really nothing locally you can purchase. So those are the kind of things that I would do in the summer. Planting in the fall, I would definitely plant. This is like what's very easy to plant. The bachelor buttons, I really think you could just take them and throw them out. And they, I mean, every one of ours came up last year. I hope that happens again. I love to do the, if you can get your hands on rocket snapdragons. They were probably, ours cut in the field were probably four feet tall. But we could, we could take the stems off. They're so tall. And you, you know, you you think, oh, I'll only get one. Well, we were getting probably seven or eight sprays per stem. That's a great one to add in. For that cottage garden look, I love larkspur and nigella. Those are super simple to plant. The larkspur is, it takes quite a bit of time for it to germinate. But if you get it out in October, you're going to be fine. The biggest mistake people make when they're, far, when they're gardening is they plant things too deep. It's number one. Like the celosia, we don't even cover. Like we take it. If we're putting it in a seed tray, we have like a little little skewer. We put it in water, put it on the seed, put it on the top, and leave it. It has to have light to germinate. You have to know what things need dark to germinate and light to germinate. And that's a big, probably the number one mistake we see is people cover things. Like um, basil, when we plant it, we never cover it. We just take it. If we direct seed it, we just push it down with our thumb in the hole, keep it water for a few days. You can see it kind of, as you water it, it expands and you'll get um, you'll get germination in a couple of days, but that's probably, I would say the number one mistake, which goes into education. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So my mom loves to germinate. Is that where we should, is that where we should start? Right. We get some seeds, we germinate on the back porch and then we transfer them to the you garden. Can, but like a lot of these things I'm telling you, you go direct in the garden. Like a lot of these okay. things. Like that's what I'm going to need. Direct like to the garden. Like <laughs> not germinating like on my porch. To, they get, they don't like for their roots to be disturbed. So it's better like on the zinnias. Like if I took a plug, which would be like a tiny little little start, and I took planted it at the same time as I planted the seed, the seed's probably going to directly beat it if I did directly in the soil. Okay. But it has to be the right temperature. Like in here, I would never do it after the – I would. it would have to be after April 15th for me to do that. It has to have heat. Um, another thing that's great for you to do is sunflowers. I only mm-hmm. recommend like the um, pollenless. We do single stems, but what you can do is plant them super tight and every couple of days plant a few and then we cut those because you don't want 500 in the field. I mean, people love to go have the picture, but it's not realistic. Like a, a flower farmer is like for us, we're never going to let them bloom open because now they're a salad bar for the rest of, for the pest out there. As soon as one petal starts to unfurl, they're cut and gone into the garden house. Okay. Um, it's, you know, it's a different, what you want to see on social media and photos is really different than what a lot of our things is, is we have to cut it at the appropriate time for the longest space life. But yeah, you can do it for sure. But most of these cool weather plants, you can put directly in the soil and just kind of baby them. And that's what I love about the cool weather is when we plant in April 15th, we are babying those things every day. When we plant in the fall, you plant it and walk away and leave it and 
come March, you have beautiful flowers. That's, I mean, what, we have that's what I want. We need a list we, of those. <laughs> yeah, we have to weed. We have to do, you know, we have some low tunnels. Like, you couldn't probably at your house do ranunculus or anemones. Yeah. Because we have to have a low tunnel here. I've tried. But they have to go in. And here's the thing. If you just take that plant that you get at Lowe's or Home Depot and you put it in the ground, it is not going to make it. Like, we have to soak it in a bubbler. Then we put it in a cooler. We sprout it for 14 days at 50 degrees. Then we put it in the ground. But see, those are tricks I've just learned over the years mm-hmm. that I just know that's the steps to make them work here. So a lot of it does go back into knowing the correct way to plant. Planting is all, the planting depth and the process is what yields the great flowers. See, I wondered if it was the soil, but. It is the soil too, but I think over time, like for us, we soil test every year. We put in a cover crop in the sections we don't use because typically nitrogen is what needs to go back in. Okay. So we're tilling that back in and then we collect all the manure from the chickens and the sheep and it goes back in at the same time. So our soil is really good here. So we built that soil over years. So we don't really have to worry about that as much. We just continue to, to build off what we've been doing and that, you know, results in the healthier flower. So for us here, do you, we're, we're in middle Tennessee, well, West Tennessee. Do you um, recommend like, so say we wanted a cut garden. Okay. So would you recommend us to do raised beds or just... Yeah. I would, I think you could raise do raised beds. beds and you could build your soil faster that way. Okay. I don't know the soil there. We're clay, heavy clay here, which is difficult. Yeah, uh, we, we don't. I'm have. not sure. What, or we have heavy, heavy red clay. But like this year, we're going to do all of our double tulips in a raised bed because it's so painful to dig that eight inch trench down there. And, you know, we, we plant probably 2000 tulips, but they're literally side by side. You don't need that much space when you're planting them. Um, so we're going to do those in raised beds this year. So there's some things like that that anyone can do a double tulip. It's just getting them in at the right time and, you know, hoping they're pre-chilled and that kind of thing. But I would definitely go into a raised bed. I think you have better control over the soil not smothering. If you're just wanting an 8 by 8 cutting garden, you know, it's. I think it's raised bed is a great way to start okay. because you're controlling the soil yourself. Good to know. That's so interesting. <laughs> I mean, I could really, like, call you later and... <laughs> FaceTime you and walk you around my yard and say, well, this side of the house doesn't get as much shade. And <laughs> That's so funny. And the others, I'm the one who's just like watching the videos. Sarah's like, you got any flowers I can cut at my house? And I was like, yeah. The only thing I've got is limelights right now. I didn't get a bloom anywhere else in my yard. Well, and, and this year, our uh, we were talking yesterday, our hydrangeas have struggled this year and I don't know if it was from all the rain last year I'm sure you guys had a lot like us but Mm -hmm. we've had very few blooms um it was a strange year I'm not sure what happened so luckily we don't depend on that COVID COVID we blame everything on COVID Mm -hmm. yeah I think so Mm -hmm. yeah I think so that's what we do well, gosh, thank you so much for coming on and, and telling your story about your farm and your flowers and your bath products and your sheep. And whew, you've got a lot. You are a busy, busy lady. We love to see women that take initiative like you have and just start this thing and grow it. And I mean, it says so much about a Southern woman to me, you know, just grit and passion. And we just appreciate what you're doing and bringing that art back. And I know it's pretty awesome. Well, Thank you. I think the biggest piece of advice I give people is have a plan. You know, you can have goals, but if you don't have a plan, it's probably not going to come to fruition. I mean, everybody has plans and dreams. Uh, I mean, goals and dreams, but you have to have a working plan to implement it. Mm -hmm. I mean, 
there's a lot of things I want to do right now. I want to, you know, I'm really wanting to start a natural textile dyeing with our plants, but I'm trying to work out that plan right now. Right. That's my goal, but I'm trying to work out that plan because it's not going to happen unless I get all those steps in place. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We love it. Well, thank you so much. We've enjoyed meeting you today. Oh, you're welcome. I love your podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I feel like I'm getting older. Older? What do you mean? Well, I just mean that was riveting for me. Yes, I could tell. (laughs) (laughs) I do have to ask. Um, At one point, I looked over at you and... I'm just giddy. I'm just like smiling (laughs) at the screen. Well, she kept saying, like, I guess there are names of flowers. Like, yeah. she mentioned bachelor buttons, rocket snap dragons, and all this stuff. And, I mean, clearly, I'm just, like, nodding. You're, like, Ugh. cluelessly nodding. Like, okay. <laughs> and you're over here, like, I look at you, like, does Courtney know what she's and talking like, about? And I'm, like, leaned over my oh. chair. And you're, like, yes, a bachelor button. I actually am growing some. No, I'm not, but I would like to be. That's why I <laughs> ask her if she grew in seeds or in pods. I mean, what is a bachelor button? I mean, I don't know that specifically, but I do know, like, the lisianthus that I was talking about. Like, I don't know what it is. It's just as I've gotten older, I just have really, it's my mother. It's my mother coming out in me. Like, I just think, oh, how fun would it be to have a garden that you go sniff? I love fresh flowers. Yeah. And so, like, if I had a little, like, a raised bed garden that I could go snip, snip out of. And my mom was always putting together the most amazing, and still does to this day, like, flower arrangements or centerpieces or, like, she can do, she can make anything grow. Anything grow. And so, uh... Yeah, I don't know. I just have, like, a real interest in it. Well, it's like she said, they, the flowers evoke emotion. Yes. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah, I, feel, I do. And my grandmother's like that. I feel like it's a kind of a soul connection for me. Mm-hmm. Like, I like digging in the dirt and ripping out weeds and all that stuff. Yeah. I don't do anything. Is there that. anything like that you like? No, I mean, I like... No. Mm-mm. <laughs> Yeah, I, mean, I just don't. I mean, I love fresh flowers, but, but I don't. Would you go? Okay, would you more be more likely to like grow a garden? Like, I have no, no interest in growing a garden. No. Well, actually, I may do a garden before I would do flowers. Yeah, but I mean, I love a potted flower. What like, do you I mean, like potted? things like <laughs> things to look good, like a plant. Like, like a, you just like yeah, a like potted a plant. plant. Like oh, and then it dies. Like a fern or something that blooms. Like a, something that blooms. In your house, in a pot? No, outside. Okay. Oh, okay. Like at your like front, front door. Pots. Yeah. yeah okay. I love that. And then yeah. when it dies, you rip everything's it out. dead right now. Basically, it's August. Well, that is what's fun. And you redo it. Well, that's Put why the mom's I, out. I, I do like the pots. I like to like. It makes me so excited to go like shop for pots, mm-hmm. and then you're done. You know, because I kind of they're kind of one and done. Yeah. But, but there's nothing you could pick and put in a vase in my. In my yard. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. You know? But like hydrangeas, do you have anything like that? Or like, well, we've got, we're about to get some. Yeah. Because we're, oh, yeah, you know, you're landscaping. We're landscaping. Phase two. Phase two, landscape. <laughs> <laughs> Don't Lord. landscape in the winter, though. No, uh uh-uh. uh. But yeah. they, they are like clearing out stuff for beds and they're putting some kind of bushes and stuff in. <laughs> I don't see. Listen, I don't even know. I'm like, I'm, whatever that house, that neighbor has down the street. Yeah, oh, she's got <laughs> put that in my front yard. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what they are. I, yeah, I do. I just I've always liked that. But now I would not grow a garden like my brother Reed. At like big garden squash. My sister has a garden. My mother grows tomatoes, squash, zucchini, mm-hmm. basil, all of her own. Like, she brings sweet tea in and, like, chops up mint and puts in it. Yeah. And, you know, I don't have anything No, like I do that. that. I've got basil, oh, mint, oh, cherry tomatoes. You have cherry tomatoes? Uh-huh. Okay. It's thriving so, right see, now. See, that's good. Yeah. 
And so you go out there and get that. Does, mm-hmm. Is there some sort of like satisfaction of you getting that? No, I just think it smells good. And <laughs> <laughs> I love basil on tomatoes. I do love tomatoes. Yeah. And then the cherry tomatoes, we've eat those. We snack on those. Yeah. <laughs> That's so about kind it. Of. Kind of. Yeah. Did your mom do anything like that? No. She wasn't like that. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Yeah. Now, my, my mother's brother still has a garden, like a big, the squash, yeah. the tomatoes, all that stuff. So mm-hmm. I get, you know, like... Fresh tomatoes, squash, mm-hmm. cucumbers, all that stuff in the summer, and I love it. Yeah. I just don't do it. Yeah. You'd rather, like, go to a farmer's market. Absolutely. Well, I would, too, for the stuff. But my grandparents had, had a farm, and we went and did snap peas and pulled tomatoes off. I mean, I remember doing that. So I do. I think there's some kind of, like, deep kind of rooted connection mm-hmm. to... There's a great satisfaction in, like, planning something and then it growing. Right. But I only have interest in that in flowers. Mm-hmm. I don't have interest in that in food. No. I'm 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 just not a farm girl. Yeah. I've decided. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like growing things. <laughs> I don't like farm animals. Yeah. Although those sheep are stinking cute. Those sheep. I think that's what started the whole thing. It right? is. I mean yeah. those little cuddly sheep. Adorable. Started following those sheep. I know. And now we'll watch them forever on Instagram. Oh, they're like, like, oh, they're running in. To eat. We do need to go do that bloom stroll thing. I think yes. that would be so fun. That would be fun. I think there's something cool about somebody like N- Natasha that takes an idea and just goes for it. And like her saying that she has to do that every day. She has to go out and deadhead and she has to go out and feed the animals and she has to. Mm-mm. I mean, it is it is a lifestyle. Yeah. I liked how Seven she said that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Would you, if that was your parents, do you think you'd come home to that? Or do you think you would be like, see ya? What do you mean? Like to like go back and children. own the farm? Yeah. Like, I don't know. No. I mean, I think, I, I definitely see that in my siblings. But I don't, I no, not mm-mm. me. Mm-mm. I wouldn't either. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly. But I would no, love to visit. Yeah, I'd love to visit. <laughs> I'd love to take a bouquet. <laughs> I'd love to visit. Let me cut some zinnias. Yeah. Um... I would love to try her bath, her bath products. Yeah, now I'm in for that. Somebody's going to get a basket. Okay, I want to win this basket she's giving away. Uh, do you think we can just like take it and not give it away to anyone? We'll just I use mean, it for ourselves. Good grief! <laughs> the basket is valued at a hundred dollars worth of stuff from their farm. I know, and I've got some dry cuticles too, <laughs> Natasha. And you like you like a bath. I do like so. You would love the bath soaps, I'm sure. I feel like you're kind of throwing me to the wolves today, I mean, this Sarah. is you. I feel like you belong at 1818 Farms. Okay, so why why are you so, like, against farms? I'm not against farms. I just, I don't like farm animals. I don't like petting zoos. I had a bad experience with a goat once as a child. And, <laughs> oh, my gosh, yeah. Well, a friend of mine, her name was Summer, and she lived on a farm, and they had goats. Okay. So... She named them all. They were like her pets. And like she's loving on them and all this stuff. So we're out there. Actually, we were headed to the movies because I had an... I remember this so clearly. I had a brand new outfit on from Mom and Tot. Uh-huh. If you're local, you know that store. No, no. What's Mom and Tot? It was just a children's clothing okay, store. It was like it was, the children's shop here. Yes. And so the brand was Hang 10. Okay. If you remember no, that. I do. Yeah. It was a I purple did. shirt uh-huh. and the purple shorts. Like uh-huh. everything matte. It was uh-huh. like coordinating. Yeah. yeah. So we're out there to say bye to the goats or see the goats or whatever. Well, one of, there's a male goat. I guess it's a billy goat. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It has the big horns and all that. So they're all out there. All of a sudden, the male goat is like charging at me. Okay. Wait. Horns Wait, down. Wait, what'd you do? Like, did you provoke it? I don't know what I did. No telling. <laughs> no telling. But I mean, I see that thing and I was like, oh, oh, uh-oh. <laughs> and it's running towards me with its hands, like horns 
like like head about down, to ram like, you. like about to ram me. No. So I just stick my hands out, grab its horns, and I'm like, my arms are locked out. And Summer was like, I just remember her saying, "Well, you done it now. <laughs> Never grab a goat's horn." <laughs> What? And I look over as she's saying this. She's up in a tree. Okay, she's in a tree. How old are you at this point? I'm like in fifth grade. Oh yeah. So now I'm stuck with this goat. She's up in a tree. Is it trying to ram you? It's trying to ram me and like shaking its head and doing all that. And I was like, Oh, MJ. Yeah. So I'm like, What do I do? And she's like, You're just gonna have to like let it go. On the count of three, push it, and then <laughs> jump up in the tree. Are you close to the tree? I was close to the tree. I was kind of like under the tree, you know? I was like, okay, okay we're going to make this happen. And so we count down, you know, I let go of the goat's horns. It gets somehow under my shirt, okay? So now the goat is stuck under my brand new hang tin, purple striped what? shirt. Yes. And it's shaking its head. So I'm like, get me in the tree. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm going to die. It rips my shirt, like from the bottom all the way up. So, like, my shirt is open down the middle. And I've got, like, probably a training training bra. Yeah. And I'm sitting in a tree at this point. So, I make it to the tree. Sarah, this is... My hang tin shirt's ripped in half. No wonder you hate farms. And I refuse to get out of the tree. Sure. I was like, you go get your mama or your daddy and come pick me up. Because I am not... Were you climbing crying? Out of this tree. Were you upset? I think I was started crying once I got up in the tree. <laughs> <laughs> I was in, like, you know, like, mode, you know. Like, yeah. I don't even know what I'd call it. Like, like defense mode. mode. Yeah. <laughs> beast mode, for sure. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, since that moment, I have never really liked goats. Clearly. Sheep. Yeah. Petting zoos. I don't like to get in there and yeah. in the fence with them. Goat cheese? Are you opposed mm-hmm. to goat cheese? I know. Cheese? I'll eat some goat you cheese. Like goat cheese? Yeah. Um, that is bizarre. That <laughs> I is, know. Uh, I mean, I've been bucked off a horse, you know, but I mean, that, oh, nothing. See, that's nothing. scary. Yeah, I guess. I mean, yeah. Oh. But that is not, I've never had such an aversion to a farm animal. <laughs> <laughs> but now these baby doll sheep are they, cute. You could get behind that. You, you could, could I really. Could. Um, I could. Yeah, let them be the redeeming factor. But I think when I look at them, I think of like a cute little pet. Yeah. They look, that's what they look like. They look like the teddy bear, like she was saying. Okay, so if you have this like aversion to farm animals and stuff, like the people that um, have pot, remember when pot belly pigs, like when you got those, it was kind of, there was like a, t- a time period that pot belly pigs were kind of the pit. Now, listen, my friend in Florida, in Tampa, has two famous pot belly pigs, the Thunder. <laughs> you are just. <laughs> What in the world? No, the the th- famous. They're famous pigs. <laughs> to you, it's the. Th- I feel like I'm holding you. out. The okay. thunder, the thunderbolt, <laughs> the thunderbolt pigs. Let me find their Instagram handle. I'm not even kidding you. Okay, they, I need some they backstory. They do therapy. I mean, okay. so they're pigs, but they're like service pigs, like a service dog, service pigs, and they go to hospitals. <laughs> they go. Therapy pigs. Wait, how do you know this person? They, she is friend. She's best friends with my best friend from college. Okay, and connected so, all. So when we go to Tampa, we went and saw these pigs in her beautiful backyard. I mean, wait, I remember you posting about these pigs. Yes, like you scratch them and you can feed them, and they run around. And so, what does she do with them? She, she lets take, them. I mean, they've got like fifty thousand people following them. And what they're so they they're just cute. I don't know. They're just their pets. But she does take them. They do things, you know, like they're service pigs. To who? To people in hospitals. They go and Children. I'm not really sure. I just know they're service pigs. 
And yeah. And they're cute and they just like run around their backyard. Uh, did it make you, so when you saw them, were you like, I don't want one. You didn't. But, and I really didn't want to touch it much, you know, but it's like, it's like their pet. So you're like, oh, yeah, oh, oh sure, I'll scratch it. The mm. pig's belly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. No, yeah. They're famous, fam- famous pot belly pet pigs. <laughs> Say that five times. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I interrupted you. I'm sorry. No, it, that was, that was, that was good. I, I didn't, yeah. You weren't, that's what I was talking about. about. It's mm-hmm. like when, you know, this kind of became a thing. Several people got pot belly pigs and pygmy goats and like the goat yoga and that whole thing. Mm-hmm. Would you do goat yoga? Yes. Mm. Oh, yeah. Why not? They poop everywhere. They do? Goats? I don't know. I've never been oh my I mean, you're gosh. the one with the goat experience. <laughs> yes. I would not let a goat crawl up on my back. You wouldn't? No. They, they're, they're so They're pooping cute. all over you. How do you know? They don't have like <gasps> uncontrollable bowels. You need to go to the zoo. I'm taking you on a field trip to the zoo, and you can watch goats. It's like pellet poop, constant, constant stream of pellet poop on your back as you're doing downward dog. Okay, then crawling maybe all not. over you. Then maybe not. I do then not. Maybe you not. will not enjoy goat yoga. I'm gonna tell you that right now. Well, it looks cute. It looks cute. Uh, maybe mm-hmm. looks cute. And now, I would do baby doll sheep goat yoga if they put those things on me. Because they're, they're cute. so heavy, though. Well, I know. I'm just saying they're cute enough. Okay. Well, we clearly know where you stand on all this. Yeah. <laughs> I think you have made your position clear. I do like to watch from afar. Yeah. I think those sheep are cute. Those sheep are those sheep are cute. <laughs> yes, they are. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. Friday. Well, let's wrap it up. <laughs> End of the week. That's it's right. been a long week. It's been a long week. <laughs> First week of school down. We hope you guys are finding a couch somewhere that you could just crawl on tonight. And you know what? Like your kids don't want to do anything when they go back to school. They just want to chill for the weekend. So that's what we're doing. I remember Jen Hatmaker saying a few years ago, like, don't be throwing the back to school bash. Don't be doing all that the weekend after because your kids do not want to do it. No, they're tired. Just like <laughs> Get up on you that couch and order that pizza. Mm-hmm. All right. See you next week, everybody. Bye.